funny looking guy. Can we put it out there? He, look, he looks like he's been drawn. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a caricaturalness to like. Oh, evidently his dad was a um, was a subject for a Tintin cartoon. Wasn't it him? No, no, was, no. Because he looks like a Tintin cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, he does. No, but his dad was sort of, he famously always wore like a fedora hat and this like sort of beige, like kind of trench coat with like a scarf coming down. Uh-huh. And these like kind of very thick, like horn rim glasses. Um, so this French, great French industrial of the 20th century. Um, but yeah. Yeah, back to the present. That's so. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what is going on. Happy New Year, I guess, everyone. Happy 2022. Happy 2022. Yeah. Uh, what a year. I have personally extremely high hopes for 2022. I'm going to remain okay. conservative gonna in my hope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, at least in France, you know, I mean, what could not, what could go wrong in 2022? I mean, I, you know, I mean, there is cause for hope. You know, Tobira has announced her candidacy, you know. Today. <laughs> if actually. there were ever a cause for yeah. hope. <laughs> Today, she announced. Yeah. Um, so I guess the the burgeoning and buoyant left-wing sort of political field has finally received one more sort of call. Heavyweight. <laughs> Heavyweight. Um, in the form of Christine Taubira, who, um, yeah, is now candidate. Just for some context, you know, Taubira was a minister under Hollande and she resigned, I believe, um, around the déchéance de nationalité. Yeah. I can't. So basically this is just after the terrorist attacks and in and there was 2015. to... to, 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 to Strip citizenship of people, of French dual citizens. nationals, yeah. yeah, sort of dual, na- dual national citizens who were sort of implicated in terrorism. I mean, the law never sort of was passed; the bill was never passed, but it was a huge kind of clivage um, or rupture within the socialist kind of coalition yeah. in 2015. This is Hollande's term, and Taubira was sort of one of the people who jumped ship. There. Yeah, yeah, and so she's obviously saved a bit of kind of credibility, credibility because of that. Pécresse is. More and more ahead in the polls, and it's looking maybe more and more that it'll be Macron Pécresse in the yeah. second round. Maybe, yeah. obviously, it's far too early to say, yeah. and so I on. Macron versus Macron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Macron versus Macron in a wig, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 a, and, a, and a, I don't know, like a sort of a dress. <laughs> if electorally things yeah have not necessarily changed for, I guess, what remains the French left, there has been something of a uptick, at least, of sort of social movements over the last few weeks. There's Mm. I guess about, uh, um, as of Thursday, national sort of the national education system is on strike. Yeah, um, and it's quite I mean well followed as many yeah. sort of sixty yeah. percent of teachers and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and yeah. the secondary and primary levels. Um, yeah, with reason. Uh, yeah, angry. I guess angry specifically. I mean, obviously the the Blanquer has pissed off. Who's the education minister? He's pissed off a lot of people, especially teaching personnel, but specifically the strike is over sort of the the COVID protocols, which yeah. seem to have been rolled out extremely, I guess, in a very sort of confusing, abrupt, confused, and abrupt chaotic yeah, way. fashion. Um, there's also, also some more news, not good news, but it's uh, sort of news, which yeah. is, of course, the sort of big anti-woke conference at the Sorbonne, attended by the uh, aforementioned Jean-Michel Blanquer. Jean-Michel Blanquer. Yeah. Um, who's uh, really, I guess, he's sort of made his 
kind of personal his, pol- his public persona yeah. and has sort of bet his political future around being kind of the leading macronist anti-woke anti-woke we need to save western yeah. civilization yeah. from you know right whatever and so this is again at the Sorbonne a two day conference yeah with I guess yeah a whole host of, and uh, host of sort of right wing commentators yeah. and I guess conservative academics yeah talking about wokeism Decolonial thoughts. How to deconstruct deconstructionism or whatever the fuck. One of the sort of buzzwords. Uh, Constructing after deconstruction. (laughs) Things like that. That, Those are all the the buzzwords. (laughs) So Uh, I guess the French culture wars continue apace. Not surprised. 2022 will look like 2021, I guess, in that regard. And 2020, um, if I'm, I guess, a betting man. You know what's interesting? Whereas in Britain, when politicians started using the word woke, like on on news panels or whatever, in interviews mm. and so on, everyone more or less already knew the word, you know, mm. in society, especially young people. In France, really weird experience. So I was teaching some students who are first years at university, and we were talking about something to do with uh, the supposed culture wars in Britain. I was teaching a class on Brit, um, and I used the word woke. Assuming they didn't know what it meant, and they all—they were like—they were just like looking at me, really confused. I'm like, Monsieur, Monsieur, what what does that mean? I was like, really? Mm. And so the fact that these these like nineteen-year-olds don't know what the word woke means, and then there's these politicians <laughs> trying to bang this thing to me, like, oh, wokeness is such a threat, and everyone's like, what the fuck is he on about? Like, so like it's different. There is this like weird different dynamic here where the politicians are the ones to have latched onto this word before, sort of. Vernacular. So the word was imported and then now is being just disseminated from on high as this bludgeon against social movements. But it's probably less effective because most people are just like, what is that? You know? I mean, whatever. You, you know. Less effective. I mean, <laughs> I, I wish it were less effective, but I don't know. They seem to be doing a pretty good job at controlling the they debate are, they, and, and, and yeah. organizing the debate around this. The, the media sphere seems to want to keep going on these right wing sort of crusades, but it. The social movements are pushing back against that. We've mentioned the education strike, and maybe to bring us closer to the episode today is there is currently also a wave of sort of private sector strikes in France. Again, there's the inflation sort of question here. Sort of uh, purchasing power is on the decline. Um, I guess that's sort of a shameless segue, as it were, to what we want to talk about today. Convenient um, segue. Yeah, convenient segue. <laughs> um, there is currently also a strike at one of the factories owned by the Dassault Group, um, which um, this factory is in the southwest, sort of near Biarritz. Um, and so the workers are, are, are asking for a 200 euro um, uh, monthly raise. Um, they're chanting sort of 200 euros or no rafale. Um, and in French it rhymes, de centale <laughs> ou pas de rafale. And the rafale is um, the sort of elite fighter jet that, 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 that the Dessel Group make and it's sort of the, the supposed pride of France in that respect. Exactly. So, um, we started a few months ago, um, we talk, spoke about Vincent Bolloré. Um, yeah. Well, so th- this is part two yeah. of the France's oligarchs. Exactly. Yeah. So this is it's the... arrived, guys. Yeah, it's finally. arrived. It's dropped. Um, <laughs> uh, and so the Dessel Group is, I guess, one of the major sort of French industrial uh, conglomerates. I looked today at the two 2021 challenges mm. um, 
list um, of sort of French fortunes, and the Desso family comes in at, I think it's either six or seven of French it, fortunes. Yeah, six. Um, six, I think. Um, so well above Bolloré, I guess it should be noted. Yeah. Um, and I guess collectively the family's sort of fortune is estimated at 26.6 billion euros. Mm. Um, and predominantly, I guess, to do a bit of foreshadowing, they've made, I guess, the, the sort of the overwhelm the lion's share of their fortune as because of their status as this essentially state-sanctioned monopoly privately owned state-sanctioned and state-protected monopoly over military um, aviation military aviation exactly um yeah and guess where did it all begin yeah so where did it all i mean actually the beginnings so the beginnings of this family name even are all they're quite actually interesting so we'll right. get into that for just a few yeah. minutes before we get on to sort of um, yeah, so it was. This is a company started by Serge, who's going to be the main object of our of our of our thing. His father, Marcel, who uh, was a Jewish man from the east part of France, which which was annexed or had been annexed at various points throughout history. In that family, you know, he of course lived through the Second World War, and he is a Holocaust survivor, Marcel, uh, and his brother was. It's quite an illustrious figure who was a high-ranking officer under de Gaulle and helped liberate Paris. And after the Second World War, um, <clears throat> Marcel changes his name to Dassault because his brother, uh, his brother's, it was his code name or something like it was that? A, yeah, his code name in the resistance was Shah Dassault, which is sort of a, kind of, it's a, it's a merger of it's tank a play, and it's a play of, Yeah, it's a play on words, words yeah, yeah. of tank. And, and so Marcel thought that was a good name. Yeah, so Marcel Dassault was born, I think, in 1892. He was born as Marcel Bloch, I guess, as Nick, you just said, sort of of a family that had lived in what was formerly, I guess, French French Alsace, mm -hmm. um, sort of the eastern part, area that was lost to Germany during the Franco-Prussian War in 1870. Um, uh, and basically, I mean, Marcel seems like he was quite brilliant engineer, yeah. um, did sort of high studies in engineering. During World War II, he... Well, World War One, sorry, during World War One, rather, yeah. he was quite he was involved in sort of the first sort of pioneering, pioneering yeah, yeah, sort of planes for the yeah. French yeah. army, um, and he sort of made this line, which I guess were sort of introduced just after World War as World War One was ended, and never really actually saw action, action, but essentially he was obviously well placed for the interwar period yeah. when. Clearly, people were getting ready yeah. for another war. Um, and by the 30s, he had sort of emerged as one of these sorts of sort of a key French, I guess, military industrialist. Um, he was actually, I mean, because of obviously his Jewish uh, background, he was loathed by, I guess, the French far right yeah. uh, in the 30s. Um, I mean, what's interesting he was called, is called like the, the Jew block, I guess. Uh, and then people, yeah. there were all these sort of very sort of Dreyfus. Affair style yeah. undermining kind of the French military conspiracies, yeah, about about Marcel. And also, Bloch. what's interesting, particularly about Marcel, is because I mean, it's two 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 interesting points. One is he's one of the few industrialists to have sent planes to Republican Spain. Yeah, uh, and uh, he uh, he because he was I can't remember the exact details of the story, but he was saved by a communist. Yeah, I think uh, during Bull was during the Second World War, um, well, he was at Buchenwald. He was at Buchenwald. He was at Buchenwald yeah. yeah, and he was, uh, and so throughout most throughout. Actually, I don't know when he he must have stopped at some point. But I think that was it. Not throughout most of his life, he yeah. he donated money to the PCF. Yeah, um, the Communist Party. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the French Communist Party, um, and 
you know, so th- this is the sort of enig- Marcel Marcel is clearly the sort of the the originator, the, the sort of en- this enigmatic figure who 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 created this this company, right. um, which would then become this massive sort of what we know it today. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, it was sort of the the I guess sort of the most successful European design fighter jet, obviously after World War II, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. the U.S. military-industrial sort of complex was yeah. quasi sort of hegemonic. Yeah. Um, and I guess a key component of sort of French nationalism in the post-war years was, and I guess which still remains, and we'll talk about later, but specifically in this sort of Gaullist moment mm-hmm. when Marcel Bloch really sort of emerged as this industrial giant and the Dassault group emerged, um, was the idea, a key idea was that France would have its sort of autonomous industrial, sort of military industrial sort of complex, for lack of a better expression. Um, and the, the Dassault plane, the sort, of, the sort of first line of planes that really made the group extremely powerful and wealthy was the Mirage jet, mm-hmm. which I guess I think, I think it first saw production in maybe the late 50s, 1958. And then it was sort of one of the sort of major fighter jets of I guess the sort of second or I guess third quarter of the yeah. of the 20th century uh, saw a lot of action <clears throat> and I guess it was exported to many regimes. I mean so this uh, is the so at the time France had developed a specific kind of doctrine in relation to military exportations mm. their doctrine was that they wanted or at least supposedly to reinforce um, Countries that were not not part of either the Soviet or the uh, American bloc. Their excuse was we want to promote exporting weapons because that exports French power. Exactly. And uh, the justification being, you know, on paper being that, you know, we want to sort of like... Right. Nurture the emergence of something which isn't either American or Soviet bloc. Right, right. Well, it's part of the... uh, And it led them to, as you say... uh, Develop, and this is not just Dassault. This is the whole French sort of military-industrial complex. But Dassault, perfectly placed at this point, monopolizing aviation. Mm-hmm. You know, spent this entire period <clears throat> exporting arms and 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 to to the worst places. You know, <clears throat> uh, apartheid South Africa. Right. You know, all manner of dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a <clears throat> product of this state doctrine of. Mm-hmm exploitation of French arms to project mm, power mm, and influence. I think yeah, military sort of historians sort of credit the Mirage jet, which was the, the Dassault, mm. like sort of the trademark Dassault product at the time for Israel's sort of major successes in like the Six Day War in the late sixties. or in the sixties. Um, but I guess basically what what it comes down to is this sort of unique relationship with the French state. Sure. Which yeah, the yeah. the com- the Dassault company had uh, I mean you know after the war you know we spoke about Marcel Dassault donated to the French Communist Party but he was a he was a Gaullist right winger you know the company has ever since this period developed a very intimate relationship with the French state uh, he also had a sort of political career. Um, yeah. He, I guess, was briefly senator, I think, in the, at the late 40s or the early 50s, and then served as several decades as a deputy, again, in the in the uh, Gaullist party from Loise, which is, I guess, he was in a quite well-appointed um, sort of upper-middle-class yeah. sort of suburb or exurb pretty far out of Paris, north of the city, um, and he served as deputy from there for, for several decades. Um, obviously, and again, one can imagine... Um, I guess the interest for Marcel Dassault of 
having a sort of an actual role in politics, which is if you are at the top of this extremely um, lucrative private monopoly, publicly um, subsidized, which depends on both the French state buying buying planes, and also, but also the French state doing your marketing for using you. Using diplomacy to sell your plane. Exactly, yeah. One can <laughs> clearly see why political influence would be something that would greatly influence uh, Marcel Dessau. One sort of anecdote which I find just hilarious. Um, obviously, I mean, he wasn't necessarily the most... He wasn't a, a huge, I guess, power broker within the party necessarily. He obviously had sort of influence. a role and he had influence, but he was sort of very known for essentially never coming to parliamentary mm-hmm. sessions. Uh, and this one story, I think this is from like the early 60s or the mid-60s, I forget exactly when, but one day Marcel Dassault did indeed decide to go to parliament and he couldn't find his seat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and evidently all the left-wing deputies and sort of the opposition, um, I guess, were obviously sort of, they could see him looking around and they all sort of start laughing and then sort of imitating like the, the sound, sound of, the of a plane jet. Uh, and obviously the plane was called the Mirage. Okay. So like, oh, is that, what is that there we see? Is that a Mirage? <laughs> is that actually Marcel Dessau coming to Parliament today? Um, and I guess to sort of continue with this, you know, obviously very much a sort of Fifth Republic man at this point, you know. And when Mitterrand, who is the famous left-wing president, comes in, there is a sort of part nationalization of Dessau, which... Mm. Interestingly, because of this unique position that the company holds, benefited right. Dassault enormously. And we'll see this we'll see this more later on, but the company, you know, very little varies in terms of different presidents when it comes to how they actually deal with Dassault and how they deal with the exploitation of their weapons and so on. Yeah. I mean I think they the state came into about something like forty five percent. So they again left this company which lives by the French state they left it in private hands yeah. uh, but again for yeah for Marcel Dassault that means that again if the state is part of the company and for him that's just even that's closer better, embedded yeah. with his biggest it just means yeah it's um, our, their interests are even more imbricated right and that right, suits him fine right right, right. you know um but um well I guess now you know sort of yeah get as, off a, to... as, as a way to segue now into into Serge who is the yeah, I mean, he died recently, uh, 2018. Few, 2018 yeah. um, but he was the sort of patriarch after Dassault. He was right. his youngest son? I think it was his second son. Second I, I want to say maybe his second son. I, I forget exactly. But he, bref, he became bref. the... The, the, the patriarch. Um, and I guess what's interesting at, the, at this point that needs to be said about Serge and Marcel, his mm. father... Is the and this is sort of everywhere and everything you read about him really. There's something to some sort of reference to this, which is that Marcel didn't seemingly didn't sort of like his son very much right. and sort of like wasn't very nice to him and didn't want him to take over and sort of kind of kind of kept him, kept him at arm's length and kept him in sort of like Mickey Mouse positions mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Serge, Serge. You know, grew up with a chip on his shoulder a little bit about that, uh, shall we say. It seemed like it was, I mean, yeah, quite traumatic. I mean, he, yeah. he also took control of the company quite late. I mean, yeah, so, yeah, Marcel dies in... He was, I think Serge does, so... so in Mar- 86, was it? I think in 86, and Marcel, or sorry, Serge was born in 1925, so he was, yeah, in his, in his 60s almost yeah. when, he, when he took over the company. Yeah, 61 or something. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, came in quite late. Yeah. Um, obviously, he... He was involved in the company before yeah. then, um, but very much to his father's dismay, it seemed. I mean, there are stories 
I guess, Serge had a very sort of classic French, I guess, upper bourgeoisie kind of formation, sort of early life, um, sort of grew up in the 16th, um, uh, went to Polytechnique, uh, which is sort of the major sort of engineering school, very ultra elite sort of um, state engineering kind of a la MIT. Um, uh, and it seems like he worked extremely sort of... To get his father's sort of... Approval. Validation, yeah. Right, right, approval, right. Yeah, um, And he finished something like 72nd yeah. in the ranking of students. And sort of his dad was like, this just is not really good enough yeah. for you to come. Nonetheless, he did work in sort of the, I guess, the, um, the mock-up sort of planning uh, of sort of, I guess, new designs and yeah. things like that in, in the office. And his dad would just go out of his way to to make fun of Serge in front of all the other engineers yeah. in the room. Um, yeah. yeah, so there's uh, there's some daddy issues there for Serge, sure. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like we said, Marcel dies in 86, I think. Yeah. Uh, and Serge takes over. <clears throat> now, I, I suppose an important thing to say at this point is that even though Serge has been the patriarch for the past, you know, 40 years, 35 years, however long it's been, what... Dassault Aviation is known for uh, was like the Rafale, for example, the sort of pride of the Which company. Which is today the pride of the company. Today the pride of the company was actually designed un still under Marcel. Serge didn't do anything particularly uh, different with the company until quite a bit later on. Um, uh, and in, the, in fact, what occupied quite a lot of his time uh, in the 80s uh, and then ultimately in the 90s and, so, and afterwards... Uh, was this sort of what seems like a bit of a folly? You know, I mean, obviously his dad was a was a was a, was a, was an MP, and it, so there's this sort of political tradition in his family. But he goes for instead of a sort of cushy, you know, middle class sort of area, he goes for a communist stronghold uh, in a really poor area of a sort of the so outskirts of Paris, Paris yeah. called Corbeil, Corbeil et Son. And he sort of starts banging his head against the wall for like a decade. And then eventually in the 90s, I mean, he, he becomes a councillor and then eventually he wins the mayoralty. Yeah, I think he, um, he first ran for office was in the late 70s. Yeah, he was he, doing it for a while. It was 94 when he won, right? Right. And yeah. he, so he was, he set his eyes on winning this mayoralty again in this yeah, as you said, this sort of red suburb of Paris, yeah. um, very working class, and then very sort of post-immigration mm. um, yeah. um, city, um, and he developed some somewhat thing of sort of an obsession with this place. Yeah, um, it's kind of strange. Yeah, right, right, right. He he just was dead set on winning something that I guess could not necessarily be chalked up. To I guess, oh yeah, that's uh, Daddy's shoes. I mean, as you as you've mentioned, as we as yeah. a lot of sources cite um, yeah. when they're talking about his life and a lot of obituaries for as he, as Serge Dassault referred to it himself, Colbert's son was the only thing that he did on him by himself yeah. on his own. That's, he remembers becoming mayor and serving as mayor for some what like fifteen years or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. For serving as 15 years as mayor of this city, he views that as the only thing in his life that he did by himself. Um, and so, I mean... But how did he win? So, I, I guess we need to talk a bit about... Because I say, so Serge is a character. Yeah. Like, the amount of scandals and corruption and, like, electoral yeah. fraud sort of, kind of controversies States, yeah. 
In the US, we would say rat fucking. Yeah. That's <laughs> the term used. So much rat fucking. Like, <laughs> unbelievable. There's an entire book on it, which we read. Yeah. Uh, and we, can, we can't even get into, like, the like even a fraction of it. But, like, <laughs> basically the way he ruled, the way he won and the way that he ruled uh, this uh, town yeah. was but just by pure and simple clientelism. He yeah. would... Give literally give people money, and there was so much. I mean, he's been himself been uh, uh, charged with a with the, with a crime right. um, of I can't remember the exact formulation. But something to do with the election of two thousand and ten, maybe two thousand nine. Two thousand eight, I think was. The... Um, and uh, I mean, like he literally he had all these sort of uh, deputy mayors that would bribe people I guess uh, it's a simple way of saying it and especially around uh, election time and so it got to the point where people in the area knew that if they joined the campaigning team for Dassault you know they would get a payout right you know uh, and so and you know and there was the, I mean there's so many scandals but a black, his black his sort of ledger was found you know that's one of the pieces of evidence mm. in the in the, mm. in the case against him mm. a, a literal ledger mm. of all the people that receive money mm. you know he's like oh no it's a, it's a, I'm lending the money and oh it's just a gift or whatever it's got mm. nothing to do with like electoral fraud as we as we said sort of Corbet is this in the 90s when he sort of by the 90s when he when he becomes mayor, I mean, is this kind of a, a, almost a stereotypical sort of struggling French banlieue. Yeah. Um, you have, I guess, huge, very high youth unemployment, um, obviously like a, a large like immigrant population, um, which struggling to integrate into French society, sort of huge sort of cité, like the big kind of, yeah. um, the big like sort of housing complexes, house, yeah. um, like high crime, whatnot, all of that stuff. And Dassault, the way that he sort of, from what I've gathered about his kind of network or whatnot, he would basically, yeah, his sort of minions and lackeys would kind of get in touch and actually try to sort of contact who the sort of, kind of the local sort of community power brokers yeah, yeah, were yeah, yeah, yeah. in the kind of, yeah. I don't know, somewhat of a counter society yeah, that was yeah, in yeah. this area. Well, so like, and they called them like Le Grand Frère, Le Grand, grand Frère, like the big But they would brothers. also like found associations that right. were like pro Dassault community associations right. and like inevitably a lot of the people that they brokered with in inverted commas you know ended up kind of being like criminals <laughs> and like there was like loads of scandals about you know like there's all that crazy shit about it got to the point where at the end at like at the end of summer mm. so that there would be more payouts uh, uh the the grand frère yeah. would like sort of tell like the, the the utes to be to, to like go burn some cars because yeah. then we can like that's a good excuse for me to ask more right, money right. from that sort and right. so like every year cars would get burned just so that like there'd be more of a payout with people like wanted like him to pay for their driver's license and there's one like there's a there's one uh anecdote in this where it gets a bit out of control for that himself yeah. one of these grand frere people like cloned his phone or something or got all his contacts off his phone and harassed Dassault's entire phone book okay. for like with like hundreds of messages and calls every day Dassault you for you like you gotta pay if you want this to stop like all this shit like like it is it is wild like it is fucking wild basically it was a fiefdom he's has this very paternalist mentality yeah which his father had before uh, and you know we'll talk about this about a bit later. But his son, which who mm. takes over his father's 
um, seat mm. uh, after Marcel dies. You know, there is this very much this culture of, you know, no, I'm just helping people. You know, and like to to the point where you almost it's all you're almost. You're almost convinced that they do. That's actually what they think they're doing. They they just don't. They don't see what's wrong with you. They just like, oh, I'm just helping people to get elected or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and they're just like, oh. But like, obviously, they they deny any involvement in in sort of like electoral manipulation stuff. But like, it's quite um, astounding. I mean, it's and we have spoken about this, and obviously, with someone like Desso, who's I mean, fits the bill of sort of the perfect oligarch in so many respects, like. What actually was the? I, mean, I don't know. It's hard to actually sort of put a perfect kind of Marxist interpretation on his <laughs> political forays. We can obviously talk about later adventures that he had with the Figaro and media, but with Colbert, it's sort of a bit this of is a, 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 a struggling sort of political liability to have to lead this like pretty tough Paris suburb. But like this is not obviously it's a stepping stone to sort of influence elsewhere and he became a senator and he, and he could serve as a mayor yeah. and a senator at the same time but Colbert really just seems to have been this kind of reflection of, of his sort of sort of personal torment and not having been able to sort of live up to his father's expectations yeah. not the impression of not having really but I'm just, built an empire on, by himself um, I'm just I just can't stop in my like thinking about the fact that some like essentially some like hood rat from like Le Banlieue somewhere, who's I'm sure, you know, whatever, I don't, <laughs> but like somehow getting the phone book of the sixth richest man in the country <laughs> and literally harassing his entire family. I mean, just this guy sat in like on une cité just with like a mobile phone and lots of different sims just like calling and just like just like demanding money. Like, it's just like, it's kind of surreal. Like, it's just like, that's what Gobe created. It meant that Dessel was literally like hanging out with like all these like sort of like kind of ex-cons and like sort of sometimes shady people quite young because you know guys you know and just like giving them hundreds of thousands of euros and like moving shit all over from like switzerland and there's this other i mean there's so many hilarious anecdotes we we literally can't yeah a lot of him he would give a lot of loans for people to start businesses and a lot what one of the more popular sort of industries a lot of these i guess his sort of local potentates would get into were sort of founding sort of security companies yeah. um, and obviously there was sort of this sort of loop, loop where <laughs> the gover- the sort of city government would be funding sort of new construction projects building a new school here or yeah. you know, would be and they would renovating this building here and they would be hired mm. and then to get more funding I mean yeah, sort of as you said to get more money from Dassault like to get I don't know, another line of credit from Dassault they would again yeah hire people to attack the construction site yeah. to justify yeah, hiring more, more workers, like, more security. Yeah. So it seems like Dassault just got fucking played. He did get played. Yeah, he fully got played. There's actually one I can't remember the details. But there's one anecdote where he like very directly got played. Like yeah. loads of people like made up like uh, like restaurants that they were supposedly trying to found in yeah. X place or whatever. And Dassault would just give out hundreds of thousands of euros. Like like it's just like sweets or whatever. He did like he doesn't know how much all that actually means to anyone. Like, he's just like this. This is paper. Sure, you want it so much. Here you go. Like, 
literally unlimited ridiculous anecdotes from this specific right, right. kind of sphere of I guess the, the book we, we, for this part of, of researching this episode, the book we, I guess, relied on was this investigation by a few journalists, um, and it's called uh, by Jan Philippin and Sarah Chibodo. Chibodo, is that a G? A Gibado? Or I don't know. Yeah. But it's called Dasso System. Uh, which oh, is, yeah, it's a G, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. Dasso System uh, came out a few years ago. Very good sort of deep dive into the whole Corbeil fiasco. Yeah, but if you want to learn about Corbeil and you speak French, get yeah. this book. Because it's, it's wild, honestly. Yeah. I guess to sort of move on, I mean, we could go on about Corbeil for quite a while. <laughs> but um, I guess another sort of important piece, yeah. sort of moment, I guess, before we get in back to sort of the military stuff and that whole side of sales is in 2004, um, the Dassault group um, essentially I yeah, became owners of the Figaro, um, which is a very important, I guess, conservative institution in France, uh, sort of the daily paper of record for the French right, which we've spoken quite a it's bit It's a about. sort of the yeah. Telegraph of the Times. Right. And so... If you're British. In 2004, I mean, for a sort of local mayor, obviously, again, the head of a huge industrial group, which is one of the most important French businesses, Dassault is mayor of a relatively large suburb of Paris. Um, senator. Senator and owner of the national paper of record for the French right. And, you know, I mean, if we just want to get into exactly what the Dassault group owns, yeah. you know, there's a sort of a, a, a sort of uh, luxury properties and wines sort of acts and art, right, right. which is, you know, Dassault Wine Estates, Arcurial, Immobilière, Dassault. Yeah. Uh, sort and of electronic then, sort of hardware stuff, Dassault exactly. system. And then there's the Figaro, obviously, and then there's Dassault Aviation, which is the original aviation right, right, right. kind of... And um, obviously have a lion's share of sort of the political interest about yeah. Dassault and whatnot, um, which I guess is maybe where we're going to kind of approach our conclusion. Um, the, uh, I guess, the Rafale, and something which I think as we get into sort of kind of the bigger questions about sort of what type of capitalist is Dassault, what are sort of behind sort of the decisions um, that he's making, um, the Rafale, which is the sort of the kind of the trademark product of this industrial group, yeah. this fighter jet, um, which is I don't know, something of a national pride and like kind of French nationalism, military, sort of military circles, whatnot. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, was, it is recognized as one of the best planes. I go, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I watched this. Ri- that, I watched I this ridiculous uh, YouTube video yeah. of this guy who's like, "Who would win in a fight in between the Rafale and the F blah 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 <laughs> American fighter jet?" And I think he concluded that the Rafale. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay, and it was okay. like an American guy who's okay. very enthusiastic about military affairs. Okay. okay. It seems. Um, but the what something that should be said, and this is maybe to make sense of the decisions he's making or was making until he died, but that are sort of. The broad, behind the broader questions here is that the Rafale as a jet, I mean, Nick, you mentioned that its early sort of prototypes and sort of the earliest sort of versions of the Rafale jet were being created as Marcel was still around. Um, but up until sort of the early 2010s, it was sort of a struggling economic sort of entity. I mean, it, it wasn't exporting. It, it ran it, out of exports. It had not been exported until... 
2014, 2015, um, until the mid-2010s, it was sort of joked about in kind of, it was a big subject of sort of anxiety within the French elite that this is the plane that is not selling abroad. Yeah. And again, this is something just... Uh, and also because uh, the, the model of that the French military-industrial complex is exportation. Exactly. Well. Contrary to sort of the United States, which obviously has enough of a war machine and enough sort of imperial endeavors to be able to pretty much fully support an indigenous sort of imperial industrial sort of infrastructure. France just isn't as big of a A fish fish (laughs) to be able to support a full sort of 21st century military. Um, And again, this is, as we've said, this has long been an article of pride and sort of French nationalism since de Gaulle was that France had an autonomous military. So the Rafale and the fortune of and the fate of Dassault and this group is so tied up with sort of, yeah, sort of French... Military exports. Yeah. Similar, you know. Like their ability to use diplomacy to sell right, right. arms. I mean, like, yeah. you know, and France is particularly, is a particularly egregious example of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in France, you know, you know, I mean, if anyone's British here listening to this, you probably think Britain's bad and it is bad. But in France, it's worse because there isn't even parliamentary oversight. Yeah. There's been this, there's this sort of historic kind of committee, which is just a sort of, a way of obscuring it. The reports themselves, which only happen every year, I mm. believe, uh, don't include uh, the names of what's been sold, the reasons for why they've been sold. You know, they don't inc- include all these details. And there is no real parliamentary prerogative. You know, there's no mechanism through mm. which Parliament can actually say, you know, this is not OK, let's stop exporting to X, Y, Z yeah. or whatever. And it's always day, been yeah. like that, you know. At the end of the day, it's a yes or no decision from the Prime Minister. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a handshake in a room. Right. And that's it. Right, right. And, you know, part, I guess part of... Part of the, the the way that, or like an example of the, of the uh, a manifestation of this fact is 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 this this sort of mysterious, somewhat mysterious figure of Jean Yves Le Drian, right? Uh, who was either you know foreign minister, mili- uh, minister for the armies, so, or defense minister. He was um, def- he was minister it, of defense with Hollande in the Hollande government, and then with Macron, he has been Macron's one and only. Uh, yeah, minister I mean, of he's affairs. he's basically. It w- would appear that he's a sort of deep state guy, yeah. something like that. Who 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 manages these very sensitive aspects of and very sensitive and also very like not very formalized you know not with official mechanisms you know they they need someone there in inverted commas they can trust and this is the mm, guy mm. you know like i mean he yeah so he was <clears throat> i mean the guy, the guy was secretaire d'état chargé uh, by uh, mi- uh, uh, of the seas sorry for mitterrand you know in 91 mm, um <clears throat> you know he was a uh, minister for defense under holland mm. and he was uh it was a sort of old P. So yeah, he's this old PS yeah. figure who just yeah. has sort of his political figure, his yeah, political yeah. career, and his rise to prominence has gone sort of, I don't know, step has has been in lockstep with I guess selling French weapons. And he he's serving one, as a as a one of the figures of continuity in this process and right, right, going right. on clearly because you know in two thousand seventeen he became 
foreign minister under under Macron. Yeah, maybe to bring it back to that sort of sort of what this and apparently, sorry, also he got a birthday cake from Sisi, the Egyptian uh, Egyptian dictator, and he gave Sisi like. Legion of Honor or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, basically yeah. what we're dancing around right now is that if the Rafale was struggling in sort of the early 2010s, since 2015, the Dassault group has had some of it's had a sort of a huge, I mean, it's a lot of success. Um, the, in 2015, two huge contracts with Egypt and Qatar um, to set the Rafale, something like 25 jets apiece for mm. several hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm. Um, in 2016, a huge contract with India to sell some, like, mm. 36. Um. Yeah, also, you know, uh, recently, I think it was just over a month ago, early December, uh, one of the biggest deals in Dassault Aviation took place and 80 Rafale were sold to the United Arab Emirates uh, to, to a tasty sum of 16 billion. Basically, what's, what's really important about this is that French state has a stipulation with Dassault that it has to buy a certain amount. Yeah. Anything that is not sold abroad and produced by Dassault, the French state has to buy. Yeah. Which again is just, I mean, that's the wet dream of any sort of yeah. businessman <laughs> is that someone is legally obliged to purchase something from you. Yeah. <laughs> and Dassault has that agreement with the French state. Yeah. So you've seen again, yeah. And the, these, these sales to again, Egypt, under the rules since what 2013 2014 mm-hmm. um, by military dictatorship who again has been given the Legion of Honor I mean the Rafael um, has been sold India has been exported to Saudi Arabia and used in Yemen it would seem right. uh, one I guess one of the great vignettes from this other book we read which is this essay that just came out by uh, I guess this guy named Amérique Elouin and Sébastien Fontenelle and it's about I guess arms sales of French uh, yeah. it's like a short French a short, shame, a short yeah. sort of primer on I guess French arms deal um, but all of these sales to these quite dictatorial, dictatorial, dictatorial reactionary regimes um, is that this has provoked a growing backlash in France. And I mean, there have been some members of the Macronist majority that have been like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, I mean, we, we claim to be this sort of progressive. Uh, sort of, even, even for a few years, Obama refused uh, to sell. Um, Egypt hardware sort of in 2014 mm. they ended the moratorium yeah. but French sort of got into that yeah that was a business opening. opportunity for them yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but this one Macronist deputy Sebastian Naldo sort of became kind of one of the standard bearers of, and he was expelled from the Macronist party because yeah. he called the government out in yeah. parliament yeah. on these arms deals yeah um, should we yeah. maybe step back and I guess think I guess, about some conclusion yeah. questions I guess yeah. Well, what type well, of? I guess first. Well, first thing I just like to say, it was somewhat of a happy, uh, happy ending for Corbet because they eventually got a communist mayor back in like <laughs> two thousand and what was it? Two thousand twelve. Was it two thousand twelve? Um, um, the guy who had been campaigning against Dessel this whole time, saying that he was corrupt. Yeah, and so yeah, on. yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure. He's he's with an, he's with another grouping now. He's now just yeah. He's not PCF. Yeah. No. Uh, Bruno Pierrou. Pierre Pierrou, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, just little shout out to Pierrou, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like you said, what what uh, what kind of capitalist is Dassault? You know, this 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 is the question that we we, we asked in the Bolloré episode. This is the question we want to ask. Continue asking yeah, with all yeah. of these sort of oligarchs. Um, I think in a lot of respects, oh, much of what we said about Bolloré sort of applies here again, sort of. 
heavily dependent, I guess, as we said about Bolloré, on a sort of muscular French state, which is willing to protect and advance the interests of its sort of corporations mm. heavily embedded in yeah. sort of, yeah, these deep, con- sort of these big contracts with seedy foreign powers. And just, de- um, yeah, I mean, interests are just deeply, deeply intertwined with the French state, not only in terms of straight up defense, yeah. you know, um, but, but like, I mean, a Rafale is worth like, it's worth like two billion or something insane. Like it's worth, I, I can't remember the exact figure, but a Rafale is worth like an unreal, like they sell them by the like, half a dozen <laughs> do you know what I mean like it's so weird reading about these massive deals and it's like and they bought eight Rafale and I'm like what eight do you know what I mean and so you know that yeah like you're absolutely right He he's not that different to Bologna value is estimated at 1.2 billion see I mean like what the fuck like a oh no no, no 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 sorry 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 I just misread that but evidently Croatia is set to buy as of I'm not sure as of May of last year May 2021, Croatia yeah. is purchasing 12 French Rafale fighter jets for 1.2 billion. Oh, so okay. it's in the oh, hundreds no. of billions. Okay. So it's hundreds still millions, not yeah. sort of your average purchase. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, no. So he's not that different to Bolloré in that sense, except for in a way he's just even more uh, wedded to a muscular French right, state right. than someone like Bolloré is, because you know. They are their economic interests align like literally align. Right, and know? he, I mean, that so aligns with the dream slash just fantasy of the French ruling class of its status as a great power. Yeah. Um, yeah. If France wants to be able to sort of mop up in its former colonial sphere, it needs a powerful military, yeah. and to have a powerful military, it needs to have a sort of military industrial base Um, and to have that it needs to be able to sell planes and guns and jets Mm. and riot control vehicles and tanks to regimes that need these weapons to do what they want to do Mm. um i guess something that's also quite interesting i think with desso and kind of tying things together with back to bolloré um because we again the first sort of oligarch that we spoke about a few months ago um is that Bolloré today, and this is something that I've found quite interesting, I've been following him closely over the last few months, Bolloré is at the center of this sort of just whirlwind of attention right now, and I mean, a lot of people are like, sort of the guy pulling France to the right, the sort of man behind the scenes pulling France to the far right is Vincent Bolloré, and obviously, again, his media sort of purchases, um, Bolloré might, is in the process of trying to purchase the Figaro Mm. Um, or is rumored to be p- trying to purchase Le Figaro mm. from the Desso group right mm. now. Um, Bolloré um, has sort of become this kind of straw man for sort of the kind of the smiling side of the French establishment as sort of the guy gone rogue and the mm. guy who's sol- creating all these problems. But really, if you look at sort of Desso's life um, and his decisions and sort of the figure he was, he was really... He was kind of like the real one. He was sort of, <laughs> he was the Bolloré before Bolloré sort yeah. of got the reputation he, he has had over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. He was close or sort of friendly with the Le Pen sort yeah. of family in 2005. This is something I read about today, but at a, um, in 2005, so it was just after Desso purchased the Figaro, he, I guess, sort of reformatted the paper, sort of came up with a new kind of rubric and whatnot. And he held this big party, invited kind of 
every CEO of the Cat Cal Halted is the French sort of stock index of major corporations, uh, sort of a full kind of spread of right-wing politicians. And he also, and people were shocked at this event, I guess, that Marine Le Pen and Jean-Marie Le Pen were also invited by Dassault. Um, there were a number of sort of Le Pen lackeys who were on Dassault's campaign, yeah. first campaign in Kobea Sun. Um, I guess before we get into sort of the where is the family going and conclusion with succession, one thing just made to finish it off and just a good reminder, Zamul, the fascist candidate mm. today, he was Dassault's employee before he was Bolloré's mm. employee. As a columnist of the Figaro, yeah. he was given his first sort of big national by sort Dassault. Of platform by Dassault. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess let's get into the family and yeah, to and conclude with. So Dassault, Serge died in 2018. Yeah. Olivier, I guess his elder son, who is sort of the kind of the one most likely to assume the leadership. The leadership. Yeah. Uh, he actually died in like a helicopter accident or something in like last in, year, the year before. It was last May, in May twenty twenty one. So the family has sort of been taking somewhat of a, a few hits. I mean, so interestingly, I guess the thing to be said about Serge is that. He had a similar attitude towards his kids as his father had towards him, which yeah. is one of being like, you're useless, yeah. you know, and I, you know, so on and so forth. And so a lot of his kids, are, he, he created this sort of intricate model of corporate governance or whatever, uh, for, so that on his death, you know, it would click into place immediately. And so none of his kids... Uh, inherited the CEO ship or whatever. Uh, uh, none of his kids are CEO. A guy called uh, Charles Edelman or Edelstein, Edelstein yeah. um, is now uh, CEO and has been since <clears throat> Dassault passed away. And the deal is that he reigns. Reigns. He's in charge for ten until twenty twenty three, when he'll be eighty five. And after that, uh, anyone who is CEO has to resign at 75 mm. uh oh his kids are going to be what would would have been 70 and 71 or 69 and 71 when that happened and so Serge clearly wasn't happy to have his kids in charge and he created this model whereby there's a sort of committee of the people that he chose like Edelstein and other people that worked under Serge and they uh, the kids the, the kids and the grandkids own it technically and if they can agree on who on things they can do stuff but otherwise the committee is the one that gets to decide if there's disagreement mm. against amongst all the kids and grandkids grandkids with with who are you know uh, of age mm. um which obviously is designed for it to be impossible for them to run it mm. and to be run by this sort of committee that was picked by him before his death mm. um, well it's mostly just a way for again the the, the family to preserve its wealth without i mean you see yeah. you do yeah, see yeah, declines of, of family Sort of massive family businesses like the Lagardelle family. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Alvin no, Lagardelle is the huge joke. So when you do get the sort of young generation that comes in, oftentimes they do run into the they ground. They just fuck it up. Yeah. Um, so no, no, no. I don't. Yes. I don't think this is some sort of psychological thing necessarily. Or injustice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. Yeah. So, I, I could give a shit. I mean, they're all fucking multi-millionaires, <laughs> like billionaires <laughs> anyway. All his kids, like. Um, but um, uh, um, so yeah, his. 
son, uh, Olivier, the one that, that died recently, uh, is vice president of the of the press group Valmond, uh, in which uh, of which is part Valor Actuel, which is a sort of weekly far right magazine, uh, mm, mm. Um, one of the main ones, shall we say? Yeah, and I guess as other, I guess to sort of finish on what the family is doing these days, um, there is now as of as of this past June, there is again a Desso in the French Parliament, uh, oh, yeah, the, the one of one of Serge's grandchildren. So this is the son of his daughter Marie-Hélène, whose name Victor Hubert Dassault, um, essentially took over his his uncle uh, Olivier's seat in Parliament, which from the was the was. seat of the of Marcel. Yeah, originally. which was the seat that Marcel um, presided over. He took it. He t- he won a by election after his uncle's death last June and is now a deputy for the Les Républicains. Um, and also, sort of maybe finish off with Bolloré, um, uh, because a big sort of, uh, there's a big kind of scandal brewing today about the acquisition of the Figaro from the Dassault by Bolloré. Um, this is something that um, is not necessarily a loss to the family. I think they look like they're quite... Um, quite happy again they've, they've always been extremely close these two families the Dassault's yeah. and and the Bolloré's two sort of bourgeois families in the sixth growing up in the 16th living in the yeah. 16th together uh, there's a hilarious yeah, yeah. photo of Vincent Bolloré with Olivier Bolloré uh, with, with Olivier Dassault uh, when they were both like in their early 20s or something on the <laughs> Bolloré family private island in Brittany um, and like Bolloré like, tweeted and, it or something when Olivier, Olivier died last spring and like Dassault you know Dassault as a family had been close to Chirac and all this stuff right, you know right. they're very of course, yeah, you yeah. know as you might imagine you know and in the potential acquisition by Bolloré of the Figaro um there is a Dassault, Laurent Dassault, one of Serge's other sons, is on the advisory board of Vivendi, which is the Bolloré media branch. Yeah. Um, so Dassault and Bolloré, I guess maybe to conclude, they're sort of kind of the two important poles on the sort of French right, I think. Bolloré maybe is a bit more friendly with the far right than Dassault, but at that point we're really just splitting it. But also Bolloré is more, today is more sort of dynamic and more like... You're right, he, yeah, he, yeah. Dassault's, uh, sorry, Bolloré's the one making moves. Dassault, they're just like, c'est difficile papa. Right, yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It was just uh, bumming around. Like, I watched a video by, right. like an official video of Laurent Dassault and he's, you know, he's just talking about like how he loves to like make wine and shit. Right, right, right. Do you know right. what I mean? And sell fancy houses. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Bolloré is definitely the 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 guy on the the man on the move, I guess. Um, but anyway, I guess I mean that that's is it? Are we done? We're done, right? I think we're done. Yeah. 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 Um, Pump that one out. Yeah. Uh, I guess thanks for listening, guys. I hope um, I hope you learned something about about the Dassault uh, family and the. Some, something a, a little bit as well maybe about the French military industrial complex French uh, um, thanks for tuning in for another episode of French Bash good night